0: Hi, it's Maria again. At Vigil, we wanted to take a moment to thank Billy in Space for their support. Haven't heard of Billy in Space? Then you are missing out. Billy in Space is a new sci-fi novel from Harry L.B., the creator of animated web series and, Vigil favorite, Space Station 19. Billy in Space is for folks that love Alien and Dead Space as much as they love Futurama and The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Sounds a little odd, but the combination is just delightful. The story begins with the unbearably upbeat telekinetic Billy aboard the Space Cutie 7 searching for adorable animals to bring back to Earth as pets. But everything goes wrong at once, and Billy is left alone on a dark, Dying spaceship where some new space horror could be lurking around every corner. How can Billy survive? Will he ever return home to Earth? What about those cute animals? I just have to say, after reading a few chapters, I found myself laughing out loud and a little creeped out in the best way. And if that sounds good to you, it's time for you to get yourself a copy of Billy in Space.
1: Billy in Space is available for order on Amazon.com. You can also check out an animated preview of the book on the author's YouTube channel by searching Harry L.B. on YouTube, all one word, or clicking the link in the episode description. You can also check out Space Station 19 while you're there. Have you ever wondered if Pompeii never happened? What if the Russians reached the moon first? Or if Britain invented and used the first nuclear bomb? Join Andrew Moss, a lowly research assistant, in his quest to catalog and speculate at all of the objects that are out of place. Today, we have another compelling podcast for you in the feed. If you like Vigil, we know you like an intense investigation with lots of twists and turns. So we're confident that you'll love Out of Place. Each episode of Out of Place takes listeners to a new alternative history where the world was forever changed in some drastic way, all caused by a simple change in the timeline, but one mystery remains who's sending Andrew these strange packages from other histories and what do they want? Out of Place is perfect for history buffs, speculative thinkers, fans of suspense, and anyone looking for a good story. The episodes really make you think about the mystery at hand And also about our own timeline and how fragile our reality truly is. You can listen to the first two seasons of Out of Place on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And we have episode zero for you in the feed today. If you like what you hear, make sure you go give them a follow or subscribe. And now... Out of Place, entry number 000, Ritual.
2: I think, looking back, I'll say it started with the skull. It's not quite that simple, of course. My guess is it actually started sometime back in the history of the Carruthers Institute, long before they ever hired me as an archivist. Maybe before Professor Whistle started running the place. As far as I can tell, the Institute has been around for as long as people have been digging old things out of the ground. But for me, it was the skull... I almost missed the thing entirely. I should explain a bit, I suppose. My name is Andrew. Andrew Moss. Sorry, I should have started with that. Anyway, I'm an archivist at the Carruthers Institute, which is an archaeological research organization that feels as old as half the stuff it has on its shelves. There are lots of shelves. Mars of the bloody things. They're full of boxes of, well, just about everything. Bones, sticks, tiles, bits of bent metal, and broken pottery. God, so much broken pottery. And it's all labelled by hand, which is a problem because there isn't much of a system for organising it all. The institute finally got a couple of computers in so they could catalogue it digitally and make it a thousand times easier for visiting academics and students to find the exact bit of broken pottery they're looking for. Then, they hired someone to input all the artefacts into the system, and that someone was me. It's a pretty good job, as far as such things go, considering I only have half a history degree. There are probably plenty of history geeks who would kill to be down here, breathing in thousand-year-old dust. I certainly can't complain. It's a good job. I even get to say I'm an archivist. I sit down here in the basement typing up all the little bits of card the previous researchers used to label the artefacts. I occasionally emerge into the upper reaches of the institute to ask Professor Birtwhistle to translate the worst of the handwriting. Miss Sarindel pops down a couple of times a day with tea. I make it sound quite boring, which is because it is, but it's a good job. Lots of people don't have one at all. Anyway... One day I found a package on one of the shelves in the computer room. I'd catalogued those shelves first, and I was sure it hadn't been there before. It didn't have a label, but it did have a note attached which said, For the attention of the Carruthers Institute, signed Mr. Havisham. Havisham, like in Great Expectations. It was wrapped in brown paper. So I opened it. Looking back, I wonder if I was supposed to. Maybe it was for Professor Burtwhistle. The package contained a skull. A human skull. I didn't study medicine, but I was pretty sure about that. Pale and yellowish bone. White teeth. And that huge nose hole. Until I held it in my hand, I never really appreciated how we all walk around with a, a cavernous hole in the middle of our faces. I kept seeing it in people for a while after that, as if their noses had become translucent and I... I could see all the way through. I ran up the stairs. I bypassed Miss Arendell and went straight to the professor's office. He... He doesn't like to be disturbed, but I thought this was important enough to enter the old cone of silence. I held up the skull in front of me and stammered something about finding it, and he just said, must be from the project. Bert Whistle is the kind of man I can't imagine existing outside a place like the Institute. I think he was born into academia. Come to think of it, I can't imagine him being born. Professor Birtwistle was was never anything less than middle-aged. He looks like a shaved walrus. Then he looked at me like I just pissed on the floor of his office and said, Well, catalogue it with the others. So I did. I thought about taking it to the police. But it's not like I just found it in a bush. I guessed it must be something medical, so I sat down and catalogued it just like everything else. I typed up a description as best I could, trying to note down all the relevant features, and there were two things I thought particularly noteworthy, apart from the fact that it was a human skull. Uh, the first thing was the holes. There were four of them. Two in the right temple, one in the forehead, and the other in the back of the cranium. They were about five millimetres across. Apart from the one in the back of the head, they were smooth, like they'd healed over a bit. The one at the back had marks like it was drilled. They were very neat. No cracks. Just holes. I looked it up. Trepanation is the act of drilling holes in your head, or more usually someone else's. It's for medical purposes, sort of. Archaeologists find human skulls with deliberately bored holes in them from the Stone Age onwards, and no one's quite sure why. It was a sort of early surgery, maybe to allow bleeding after a head injury or to let out the evil spirits that were causing a headache or something. It turns up here and there in history afterwards, sometimes it's definitely pseudo-medical, other times it's for ritual purposes, which is the term archaeologists use when they don't know what something's for. It's for ritual purposes. In modern medicine, trepanation used to be done in a frontal lobotomy before they started doing it with an ice pick through the eye socket, and it's still done to relieve blood pressure or for brain surgery. But I didn't find any proper medical reason to drill four holes, not in those different areas. The skull didn't have any other marks where it shouldn't, so I don't think it had ever been fractured, which is one of the main causes of bleeding on the brain that might need to be relieved. On the other hand, the skull didn't look old. It wasn't stone age, I was pretty sure of that. It wasn't broken or discoloured, it was complete. It looked new. Then I looked at the teeth. The skull was complete, it had its lower jaw. The teeth looked pretty good, until I looked closer and saw the second notable feature. The teeth had fillings... Not metal fillings either, the newer white ones. They only started getting widespread in the 1980s, are the type I have. Their teeth were straight, too, the kind of straight you only get with modern dentistry. Whatever face the skull used to wear, it had a beautiful smile. I typed it all up into the computer. I wrapped the skull back up and put it on the shelf. But I could feel it. Not like it was looking at me with its big eye sockets. It was that nose hole I felt. Like it was firing a cold laser through its wrappings and through the shelving. Hitting me right between the shoulder blades. Did they still trepan people in the 1980s? Four times? Was it some type of brain surgery? Or did some nutcase say that drilling holes in your head would cure cancer or make you smarter or bring you closer to God? I thought it was probably best to ignore it, but I couldn't. It wasn't like this was another piece of broken pot. It wasn't even that it was new, or a skull, it was that it didn't make sense. I couldn't imagine how this thing might have come into being. I wondered about asking Bert Whistle about it, but that idea didn't appeal for some reason. I guessed that it would all pass. Everything does. We all get used to things that gave us the heebie-jeebies at first. Most of the time we forget them entirely. But I didn't forget the skull. Because it wasn't the last. Out of Place was created by Ben Counter. Sound design was done by Pacific S. Obadiah. If you like this show, consider checking out other Midnight Disease productions, like The Theater of Tomorrow, The Hotel, Lake Clarity, SCP Archives, and Margaret's Garden.
1: The Fable and
0: Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. You found the heart! She found a key to the heart. On the quest of a lifetime, three best friends take on a harrowing journey.
1: Your mind and body will be tested in these upcoming weeks, as well as your heart.
0: Where more is at stake than a gift from the gods... Being with Albina and I is going to be... Weird? Not bad weird, just, uh, different. Everything's different on the water. When new friends meet... You have an office? Where do you think I do all the pirate business? Pirates have business? It's a parchment nightmare. And family secrets are revealed. <sighs> we could be twins. Yes, I've noticed. This young crew of adventurers will learn what it takes to complete the deadly Journey to the Heart. It's
1: not like an island could set a trap for us.
0: What? Lightning fog? Are you kidding me? But is getting what they want worth losing what they have? I was happy with you and Charlie. Was? Look at us! How could I be? Journey to the Heart. Now available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Tune in each week and vote for where you think the story should go next.